This morning what I want to talk about is Jesus, Saviour, and we've heard that from Lyle this morning. And did you say that they pray the sinner's prayer as comfort grace? Okay. Okay. No. I know, I know some very, very good Catholics and they are saved without a doubt, you know, and I've heard them pray and I've sat with them as they've prayed. So we've got to be careful that we don't compartmentalise and say they're good and they're no good. Uh, that's not our role. Never has been and must not be. So, Okay, if you brought your Bibles with you, please turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 1. Verse 20 to 23. We heard from Tinica this morning what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, uh, reading out of the Passion Bible from Colossians, that he pretty much destroyed everything that was written against us. And I don't know about you, but I had a lot of things written against me. So to hear that is music to my ears. It really is. So, so we really need to know not only what Jesus has done, but that he is really a saviour, who he is, what he did, and that needs to be really strong in us for us to be convincing when we talk to other people. 20 to 23. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if you're, a, if you're taking a, a girl out and you're engaged to be married and all of, a find, all of a sudden you find out she's pregnant and she says, well, I haven't been with anybody. That's what a lot of people would say, oh yeah, tell me another one. You know, so... Uh, Joseph is, 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 is quite a man. So, listen. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah, that is, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Father, as we open your word, open our hearts, open our ears, open our understanding, I pray. Lord, that we may fully comprehend everything that was done on the cross at Calvary and who Jesus really is. Lord, that we have no misconceptions whatsoever, but Lord, that we would, by knowledge, praise him even more and thank him even more for what he did and what he gave up to come down to earth. Help me to explain it in such a way that people will profit from the word. 
for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph, to whom these words were spoken, was a man of strong faith and integrity. He was a God-believing, fearing man. Being a man of conviction, he was prepared to do what was right and just say, look, just go your way and I'm not going to talk about anything. But instead, he did what the angel told him to do, even though despite the pain he knew would be caused. Can you imagine? Joseph, you've heard from who? That your wife was, that, that she's pregnant by who or what? Are you, are you kidding me? Come on, we've got to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for a minute and see how he felt while people were just laughing at him, if you like. His willingness to pay the price of humiliation and follow God's leading empowered him to be, jo- Je- empowered him to be Jesus, his earthly father. What a privilege. Can you imagine? Mary, what a privilege to carry the God child. What a privilege. So who was this Jesus? Jesus was the son of God. God who became man. God came in Jesus as Emmanuel. God with us as prophesied by Isaiah Jesus was God incarnate. We sing it in songs and so often we don't really know what we're singing, but he was in the flesh as God veiled in human flesh was literally amongst us. God came, revealed himself to us and dwelt among us in Christ. That's what the Bible says. Listen to what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. He has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So that's why Jesus, when when the, the disciples said to him, show us the Father. He said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We really need to understand just who Jesus is. In Matthew 1, 20, 23, where the angel declared to Joseph that Mary's child was both conceived by the Holy Spirit and would be a son, it reveals the important truth about Jesus that is both fully God and fully man. Not 50-50, fully God and fully man. The infinite, limitless God took on the limitations of our humanity. This is one of the great mysteries and it says it in 1 Timothy 3, 16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Here Paul affirms the humanity and the divinity of Christ. In other words, God made himself known to us by taking on the form of a man, flesh. So we could understand, recognize, and he fully became man. Jesus descended that we might ascend with him. Wow. Oh. You know, I've said that to people when, they, when they're about to die. I said, I'm jealous. And they go, what do you mean you're jealous? You're going to get there before me. You're going to walk on streets of gold before me. 
You're going to see the glories of heaven before me. That's what I'm jealous of. He humbled himself, made himself of no reputation. He who was fully God came down to take upon himself the limited form of human weakness. Amazing. He stooped down low from heaven. He came from his glory to be a helpless babe. Here he is in heaven in all his glory with angels worshipping him and now he comes down as a helpless babe that has to have nappies changed and all those kind of things. Come on, think about it naturally too because he went through all that for you and me. He showed us the way to the Father that we might receive his new resurrection life. By his descent coming down, your life could change. You can be lifted up in life to participate in his glory. And they're the scriptures that I read out the other day from uh, Revelations uh, 2 and 3. You know that what happens when we overcome, he says, You've overcome, come sit with me on my throne. And I go, in glory? He's saying, come and sit with me on my throne as I sat with my father on his throne. And he's definitely at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. So when he says, when you overcome, you can sit with me on my throne, that's exactly what he means. Romans 5.10, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled by God by the death of his son. How much more then, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? Today, through the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent to be in us, with us, and upon us. The alos, the other one, is with those who believe. God is present in the life of every believer who asks him to be. God, the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent, he comes to live in us. This mortal being, you, mortal beings, comes to live in you. Perhaps not even Isaiah understood how far-reaching the meaning of Emmanuel would be, God with us. I think quite often the prophets that, that, that spoke didn't know the full meaning. The New Testament actually confirms that. In 1 Peter it talks about those things that those things that they prophesied, they didn't even know what they were saying. But we do now. Jesus' resurrection shows us that the Holy Spirit's power was in him. Seen by angels and received up in glory, taken up into heaven, he dwells in us, he gives his life to quicken our mortal bodies by his spirit, Romans 8.11 says. Jesus really is divine. He's not only fully man, he's also fully God. Not 50-50 like I said at the beginning, but fully God and fully man. Humankind can never please God on their own. You know the song, I do it my way? It's a dead loss. 
It's a lie. It does not exist. You do it your way and you're on your way to a very bad place. We must trust and depend on Christ in order for God to be pleased with us. When we believe and trust in Christ, God looks upon us through the righteousness of Christ and he sees us through the eyes of Christ, if you like. And when I meditate on that and think about that, I go, wow. That is just so amazing. That is so deep. Our sin is not counted against that. We heard that in communion. It is under the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we trust in him. We've accepted him as our Lord and Saviour. It's not I, no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me. As a man, Jesus lived the perfect God-pleasing life. And he is able to save and is a perfect example of how we are to live. He's the prototype. We might have favourites, Paul, David, Abraham, all these different people. But Jesus is our prototype. As God, Jesus came in the flesh, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He was manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. That's why he came, to destroy the works of the evil one. The Bible says that in 1 John. Jesus gives us power to do what is right. You can't do it on your own. He gives us power to do what is right. If we read the Old Testament, he gives us power to make wealth. And a lot of people say, yeah, come on, you've got to be joking. I am smart. You are dumb if you think you're smart. Because he gives you the power to make wealth. Deuteronomy, it says it very clearly. Don't think you're going to do it anyway. He gives you the power to make wealth. Because he is God and has gone before us as man, in flesh he came not sinful, but beset and limited by human weakness. He was tested in every area like we're being tested and beyond and worse, and he never sinned. Because he overcame and leaves us with his spirit and because of that, without excuse. It is possible to live a godly life by following Christ. 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, He has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through them we become partakers of his divine nature. Come on, I want you to read that when you get home. Underline it, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. He has given us exceedingly great and precious promises that through them, the great and precious promises that is, we become partakers of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. You can believe and partake of all that he offers you. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Saviour of the human race. 
Listen to some of the facts that I'm going to give you now. An anonymous author made the following striking comparison. Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato for 50 years. Aristotle for 40 years. And Jesus only three. Have you ever done that to your kids? You say only three and do this? I made sure I had three. Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these other men who are among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. And they were. Everybody agrees, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, they were the greatest philosophers of that period. He painted no pictures. I'm talking about Jesus now. Yet some of the finest paintings of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci received their inspiration from him. The greatest painters the world has ever known received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante, Dante, Milton and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. He composed no music, still Hayden, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the hymns, symphonies and oratorios they composed to his praise. I read this and I'm almost struck dumb. How can one man, except he was the God man, he was Emmanuel, God with us. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by the coming to earth of the humble carpenter of Nazareth. Every area of the world. Science too. His unique contribution to the race of men is the salvation of souls. It's unique. Nobody else can do it. Lots of people have said Confucius and, and you know, the, the Buddha and all that. They're all dead. But he's alive at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty in heaven. Philosophy could not accomplish that. Art couldn't accomplish that. Not literature couldn't accomplish that. Not music couldn't accomplish that. Only Jesus can break the enslaving chain of sin and Satan. He's the only one. He alone can speak peace to the human heart, strengthen the weak and give life to those who are spiritually dead. In Ephesians 2, it says, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins until he came to us. Prove it now. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is nothing in this world that has power over sin or power over death and life except Jesus. Listen to what it says in uh, 1 John 5, 11 to 13, and also verse uh, 20. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. 
goes on. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life, even though you're breathing. You haven't got life. These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, knowing him. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, the Saviour of mankind, the only person who ever lived, died and rose again and qualifies to offer us eternal life. The only one. There is no other. The total product. Jesus offers full salvation for the whole person, spirit, soul, body. He also gives the guarantee of eternal salvation through his divine stamp or seal of approval, the Holy Spirit, whom he is giving, shedding his love abroad in our hearts. The Holy Spirit came down to live in us as a down payment of eternity. God with us. Today, we need the Prince of Peace more than ever before. In the midst of turmoil, troubled nations, wars, rumours of wars, earthquakes, famines, like there is so much happening in the world. If you really look into it and say, find all the trouble spots in the world on your what's name, on Mr Google or whoever you search for, you will see such trouble that by the time you shut the thing, you'll be feeling miserable. Jesus gives peace when there is no peace. That's what he promises. In the midst of a fatherless generation, a generation who knows no true fathering. In the jails in America, 60% of all the young men that are in the jails have not got a real father. And then people say, oh, it's all right if you part as long as you do it amicably. No, it is not all right. And single mums where the husband is left need to be prayed for and cared for on a regular basis because they need extra strength and extra encouragement. Come on. It's true. There's been a generation of fathers that have abandoned and forsaken them. God, the Father of all fathers, is there for you. He is everlasting. He will never leave you or forsake you. And if you've got any doubts about that, look at Luke 15, where the son runs away from home. He wants his inheritance. He spends all his money on, on terrible living. And when he finally comes back, when he comes to his senses, that is, the father sees him from afar off. That means he was looking every day. And he ran to meet him. He ran. Should have been the other way around, but he ran. Father God ran. Some of the reasons why. Illustration in this book, The Reasons Why, Robert Laidlow tells of two friends who went to law school together. One became a judge and the other one became a no-hoper. Squandered his life, broke the law, finished up in court. 
Sitting in the judge's seat was his old friend, the judge. Everyone there wondered what kind of sentence he would pass. To their surprise, he demanded the full penalty of the law. No sooner had, the past, that had he passed sentence, however, that he stepped down from the seat of judgment, took off his robes, walked over the dock where his old friend stood, put his arm around him and gently said, let it be recorded this day that not only have I passed sentence upon him, but I will stand chargeable for all his debts. That's what Father God does for us. We didn't deserve any of it, but he did it for you and me. Christmas is the story of the day God took off his robes of deity and put on the garment of humanity. He left the palace to come to a stable because of you. You. Just point to your neighbour said, he came because of you. Come on, it's that close to us. He became flesh because of you. Listen to the poet, the maker of the universe, as man for man was made a curse. The claims of law that he had made unto the uttermost he paid. Did you hear that? He paid. Not somebody else. He paid. Had you been the only sinner who ever lived, he would have come, he would have died just for you. I can't understand that kind of love. I so love it, I so appreciate it, but I can't understand it. And that's the fact that you have to deal with someday, now or someday. My testimony, I have known Jesus as my saviour in my head for as long as I can remember. But he has now been my personal friend for the last 46 years. Since I gave him my heart and my life, I asked Jesus to forgive me for ignoring him and not loving him as I should have done. I asked him to forgive me for the mess that I had made of my life and of those I should have loved better. Jesus became Lord of my life and he came to live in me. That's what Jesus has done. He's come to live in you. In you. At the birth of Jesus, there was no room at the inn for Jesus. Is there any room in your life for Jesus today? Come on, we've got to ask this question. Is there room in our life for Jesus today? Because he makes all the difference in the world. If you want to make room for him today or ask him to bring change to your life, come and see me today. I'd love to pray with you and help you meet with Jesus today. Otherwise, you might get a quiet moment alone and do that. That's also possible. 
an evangelist from South, South America, whenever anybody ever came to his house and said they wanted to get saved, he would take him outside in the garden and he would pray this very simple prayer, Jesus, come and reveal yourself to my brother. And then he would walk inside and leave the other person out there. And they would come in sometimes an hour and a half later, tears streaming down my face, saying, Jesus is now my friend and my saviour. We're here with not that many people. I want to read a prophetic word that was given by Mike Heron in 1994. That's nearly 30 years ago. Rise up and give me a house, says the Lord, and I will fill it with many people. I still believe that prophetic word. And the whole eldership at the time believed that prophetic word as well. That's why the building that we're in now is here today. That's the reason. Laid the foundation, I will supply the needs. Look forth to the harvest field. That's what I've come back to now. I want to go into the harvest field and reap. For the Lord decrees, many people shall come unto this mountain, that's this place, shall come and be saved. I'm believing that. Because we believe the prophetic word and here stands the testimony of us believing that prophetic word. We built this place. And did he, was it all paid for? Yeah, God made it all possible. He made it all possible. The Lord, he calls them, arise with a vision in your hearts. O my people, for I am with you, says the Lord. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I am with you, says the Lord. The Lord would say to you this night, this place is too narrow and the place is too small. Say not another time or another place or another people, but you are the ones. Believe me, the Lord shall anoint you. I believe all these things. I have lived by the prophetic ever since I got saved and prophetic words were spoken over my life and they've all come to pass. Some of them took 25, 30 years, but they've come to pass. You are the ones, believe me, the Lord shall anoint you. Lengthen your stakes, make the place larger, says the Lord. Lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes and see the harvest field. It shall give its yield to you. Make plans by the Spirit of the Lord. And that is of the utmost importance. So often we think if we do this or if we do that, but we need to make plans by the Spirit of the Lord. God's will, God's bill is, is something that a lot of people say. If it's God's will, then God's going to pay for it. If it's your will, guess, who, guess what? You're going to pay for it. Make plans by the Spirit of the Lord. Let the carpenters take up their saws. Get ready to build. Get ready to build. Get ready to build, says the Lord. Arise in faith, O people of the Lord. Arise in faith. It is now, now is the time, get ready to build, I'm with you, I'll not forsake you, I am with you. I, I only just found that, looking for it this week. 
the reason for evangelism was not the book that, that, that I've been handing out and reading and being encouraged by, something that God says it's time to reach out for souls. And all the other things have just confirmed it all. The book has confirmed it. This is confirming it. God wants to do something in, in the salvation of men and women. We all know people that need saving. Correct? We, we, we all do. The first part is we need to start praying. Pray like we've never, ever prayed before. Pray with tears if you need be. Pray in the closet if you need to shut yourself in the closet, but pray. Why? Because God's word says he will reward you openly when you start to pray in those situations. Let's just bow before the Lord in prayer. Father, there's so many things, Lord, that are on your agenda, not necessarily on ours. But Lord, whatever is on your agenda, Lord, we want that to become our agenda as well. Help us in all those areas we pray. Lord, a, a, a preacher is not going to do it. I understand that. Lord, it's not by might or by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. Lord, it's your spirit that's going to convict people's hearts and minds what they should be doing, whether they should be going on overseas missions or whether they should be door knocking or whether they should be just having coffee mornings to invite their friends or neighbours. Father, it's got to be by your Spirit. And Father, I pray, Lord, make our ears attentive and our eyes able to see, Lord, what you want for each one of us. And Lord, what you want for one is going to be different than what you want for another, but all of us have a role to play. And Father, I pray, show us. We desperately need you, Lord. Good preaching is not going to do it. Lord, all the things that we can put together is not going to do it. The ability to make wealth comes from you. The ability to forgive comes from you and you alone. Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labour, labour in vain who built it. I don't want to labour in vain. Father, we need you. Let your spirit so touch us, Lord, that all of us will play the part that you have gifted us for, each and every one. Father, and let our response be, here I am, use me, Lord. Here I am, send me, Lord. And Lord, that we would be quick to say yes. And even sing that song, I say yes, Lord. I say yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes. Help us in all those areas to become the people you want us to be. For in the process, we'll become better fathers. We'll become better mothers. We'll become better grandfathers, grandmothers. All those things. Because it's your plan and purpose to do all those things. Help us, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. There's an opportunity to have fellowship out there, cup of tea, cup of coffee. And if there's anything that you feel that you should be doing in the life of the church, 
and you haven't told me, come and see me, please. Or come and see Inigo, come and see Sally. That'd be really good to come and see Bart and say, I want to be used by God. What can I do? Okay? Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you and have a fantastic week. Amen.